Welcome back to Local News Live. Look who is joining me right now. Roger Susanna from our station at WFSB. They're in Hartford, Connecticut. Oh, Roger, so happy to see you on this Tuesday. It's great to see you, Jessica. Pleasure. Yeah, a lot going on here in Connecticut. A lot going on around the country, so yeah, let's get right after it, right? Oh, you know, we are going to get right after it because top story coverage in Connecticut, it happens each and every single day. You got plenty to talk about. Of course, you know, we've been talking about back to school for quite some time here at Local News Live, just showcasing um, our photojournalists and our, you know, our reporters at all these different schools. I know you've seen some of the coverage because um, it is such a big, a big deal for students to be back inside the classroom this year. Um, and so, of course, our Grace stations are following along with back to school that first day at school and you can just tell uh, the faculty and staff students are so excited to be back but some important key elements to back to school right yeah absolutely and one of the big topics of discussion here in Connecticut and our students are going back to school mostly either next week or the following week okay. so yeah the clock is ticking but one of the big topics Jessica has been school security of course that's right. top of mind all the time here in connecticut after the tragic shooting in sandy hook uh, nearly 10 years ago but what we're seeing this year jessica more and more connecticut school districts are adding armed security guards wow. to different schools particularly elementary schools and middle schools and a large part of the reason why is a response to of course the tragic school shooting in Uvalde, Texas earlier this year. So just this morning, in fact, I was covering a story going on in East Hampton, Connecticut. Last night, they approved a plan to hire three additional armed security guards that will be posted up inside their two elementary schools as well as their middle school. They already had an armed guard that was hired to work in their high school, but now they are focusing as well on having an armed guard protecting smaller children. And the interesting thing is, here in Connecticut, most people that we talk to seem to be okay with that, or yeah. they either approve it or at least they're okay with it. We do have some critics, though. Some argue there's not a lot of data that shows armed guards make schools safer, and there's just not a lot of studies about that yet. Uh, and then the other thing uh, is that some folks say, look, it's also uh, expensive, and mm. some people just uh, don't know that it's worth the cost, especially with a lack of data. Uh, and then there are some folks that also worry about putting armed guards in schools. They say, listen, what if there is some sort of conflict between students? Is it a possibility that an armed guard could escalate that by bringing a, a gun if they could overreact? But a lot of people say, look, because of these tragic school shootings, even though statistically it's unlikely to happen in a tribe school, they say, look, they'd rather have an armed guard as one layer of protection. So it's definitely a hot button issue. Yeah, definitely. More and more communities are coming up with the money to pay pay these armed guards and put them in our schools. Okay, so let's talk about the price tag. Uh, you said it was quite pricey. What are we looking at here? So in East Hampton, where I was today, the lowest estimate that they had was that it was going to cost about $50,000 per year per guard. Other estimates say it could be closer to $100,000. They're still working out the details. Mm -hmm. Now, $50,000 doesn't sound like that much money, um, but keep in mind, it probably would not be a 12-month-a-year position. Oh, so true. that would be over six to eight months, um, and that would be probably where that money would come from. 
but so, most here's what's interesting East Hampton. East Hampton, they green lighted the positions, they approved the positions, but they admit we haven't found the money yet. Mm-hmm. And the school district leaders they say, all right, we're, we're going to approve hiring these people, but they're going to now have to go to the town leaders and ask for more money because they don't want to take it out of the education budget. They say they're, they're confident they're going to get it, but it's another layer of decision makers that are going to have to approve of this plan. And at some point, just we as taxpayers have to decide what we're comfortable with uh, because all these things that are important, they cost money. And so it's, it's that always that, that push and pull. And as always, Jessica, I feel like Every issue feels more divisive than ever because people have different points of view on on things like that, and they're they're willing to to voice their opinion, which is which is great. But sometimes it can lead to uh, the volume being turned up on some of these debates. Definitely, and so it, you know, it leads me to kind of think uh, as the school districts kind of navigate through this process. Are you hearing any elected officials, as in uh, congressional leaders or um, state senators, representatives, speak out about it? Do you see um, potentially something being uh, gone to kind of the legislative side of things? Well, you make you make a great point because at the uh, state level, you know, Connecticut has some of the strictest gun laws in the country. They already had relatively strict gun laws, and then after the tragedy of Sandy Hook, those laws were strengthened even more. So not that, you know, the state lawmakers here, some of them are pushing for even more reform. But when you look at it at the congressional level, there are some Democrats primarily that are saying that we should have armed guards. That's something that we should pay for. Um, for all public schools. But if we were to do that at the national level, certainly that would be very, very expensive. Then you have some Republicans um, are pushing for, they would like to arm teachers. But of course it would be optional and it would be only teachers that would pass a, a test. Now, some say that would be more cost effective, but then some critics of that plan say, do we really want our to be weapons and be a de facto security element inside a school when their primary function should be education. So those yeah. are kind of the things that need to be to be worked out. But the interesting, Jessica, you bring up one issue, one one point, and it's, it's almost like whack-a-mole. You, you deal with that issue, and then these other uh, things pop up as well. Yeah. So I think this is going to be a topic of conversation, I think, certainly this school year and probably in the years to come. Yeah, for a while. And so I'm curious. <laughs> okay, of course, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but it just popped into my mind when we were talking last week uh, about the candidates in the primary and those who actually secured, um, you know, their name on the ballot for November. Did any of those candidates speak out about this and, and bring this up at, at any, I don't know, town hall meeting? No, you know, there's not been a huge conversation. Okay. But what was interesting is that, remember, we're talking about the Connecticut elections, and we're talking about mm-hmm. there was a U.S. Senate race, and it was a Republican primary, and uh, the winner of that primary is going to face um, Senator Richard Blumenthal, who's been right. a for a long time. The Trump-endorsed candidate, Leora Levy, who was considered a pretty big underdog, mm-hmm. ended up winning that primary. She has been a very strict proponent of the Second Amendment and an opponent of gun reform laws, whereas um, her opponent um, in, in that primary, Themis Claritus, was considered more moderate on, on gun control. So they didn't get into their debates about whether who we should arm within schools, but there are some that say 
hey, the fact that Leora Levy wins this primary, maybe what it shows is more people here in Connecticut are willing to roll back some of these these unrestricted. Now, the counter argument to that would be, well, let's see if she actually wins in November, mm-hmm. because the Democratic senator, Richard Blumenthal, if he wins easily, then you could say, well, that was really a referendum on what Connecticut residents feel about gun control laws. And if he is to win easily, which some people think is going to happen, they'll say, well, all it shows is that the fringe of the Republican Party in Connecticut feels a certain way, but that the large majority of folks feel that it should be kind of status quo. Interesting. Yeah. And so, you know, last week, uh, if you were joining Roger and myself as we were talking about all the kinetic politics, because there were some big races here in the primary, um, I did follow along with the coverage because you had me captured. I was so interested. And of course, I don't have a dog in the race. I don't live in Connecticut. Um, But it was very interesting to see how that all played out uh, Wednesday morning. Oh, it was it was really interesting because we had a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. We had some favorites win, which, of course, you're going to see. But we also had some underdogs winning as well, Leora Levy being the, the primary example. You know, she had never held an elected office before. Wow. And she was able to beat this opponent who had served for over a decade in the state legislature, was a very well-known name, at least in political circles. And a lot of people thought she was a shoe-in uh-huh. to get the But then Donald Trump endorsed Leora Levy. Then there was, of course the FBI search at Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, I mean, it was all happening at one time. There was a lot going on. A lot of people believe that actually benefited Leora Levy because you had some Trump supporters rallying to his defense Mm -hmm. and, oh, people are after Trump. We're going to support his opponent. Who knows? But it's it's crazy to think that perhaps uh, a search warrant executed down in Florida, very far from Connecticut, over a 1,000 miles from here, might have impacted the U.S. Senate race in Connecticut. Crazy, right? Nuts. It's wild. And so I am curious, um, as, uh, as you talk about, is it Levy? Is that how you pronounce her last name? Exactly, yep. What is her background? So, okay, she was a former commodity trader on Wall Street. Oh. She made a fortune on Wall Street, very uh, successful, shrewd woman in that arena. There's no question. And then she became a member of the Republican National Committee. Because what's interesting is she would tell you that she's a political outsider, and there's some truth mm-hmm. in that. She's never served uh, as in any political office. But she was a member of the Republican National Committee. So some say you're an insider because of that. Also, Donald Trump did actually um, name her and nominate her to become the ambassador to Chile. Oh, really? She never served because at that point it was the very end of Donald Trump's tenure, and she never got a vote, an up or down vote in the Senate. And so she never did become ambassador uh, to Chile, but she was had been nominated twice by Trump. The fascinating thing between Leora Levy and Donald Trump is she was a very vocal critic of Donald Trump before he ran for president, or as he was initially running for president. Interesting. He was a big supporter of Jeb Bush. Remember okay. that guy? Yeah. Uh, how could you forget, right? Jeb, exclamation point. That was uh, <laughs> what is campaign. And anyway, she, she bought into the exclamation sign. She was all uh, exclamation point about Jeb. She was all in for Jeb, criticized uh, Donald Trump, essentially saying he's unfit to serve. Well, then, as so many Republicans did, she came around on Donald Trump when he got the domination, became a big supporter. Mm-hmm. Donald apparently also came around on her because not only did he no- uh, nominate her to become ambassador to Chile, 
he then gave her a key endorsement, which may have flipped the race. So, uh, but the, the price that she's had to pay for that, if there is any, is that some Republicans have said, well, she's had to pivot even harder to the right to earn that endorsement. And that could hurt her in the general election. We'll have to see. Gosh, this is uh, so fascinating to me. I feel like we're talking so much about her. I think she just needs to join on. <laughs> we're gonna get, yeah, she needs to confirm all this. <laughs> the invitation is open to Leora Levy and Senator Richard Blumenthal. We'll let them both I think have a debate right here. Uh, <laughs> I love it. That's so funny. Okay, well, we got way off topic, um, but it's so fascinating. I love talking to you because I feel like we all learned something new, and it's so, it's so interesting. <laughs> so I'm glad we did get off topic. Oh, no, I, I, you know me. I never drive in a straight line. I'm always <laughs> walking around, you know. <laughs> um, so, you know, we were talking a little back to school. We were talking about the armed guards also. And, you know, this actually, um, for all of our viewers that's been, that have been following along with me this morning, we have had back to school live coverage um, from South Carolina. Uh, and then we had a little coverage from our station in Louisville, Kentucky, WAVE 3 News, about monkeypox as it relates to children going back to school. So while we talk about this, also the CDC talking about COVID um, as kids are about to head back to school in Connecticut. So, so what are you hearing on that front? Because, you know, I feel like we're, we've kind of taken a pause from, um, we, well, we haven't taken a pause, but as of hearing about COVID, uh, the numbers, the statistics, um, health leaders speaking out, I feel like we've kind of taken um, a backseat to COVID for a little while. Yeah, and you know, it's very interesting because you mentioned the CDC. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say had gone to sleep, but I think people, COVID was not top of mind the way that it had been certainly in months. Right. I think we can all agree with that. And then all of a sudden, the CDC made this major announcement, really right before kids were going to go back to school, and it is going to impact just about every single child in America in one way or another, because essentially what the CDC is doing is they are pulling back on some of these COVID restrictions. So if you're one of these people that last year really had a problem with some of these COVID restrictions in your kid's school, mm -hmm. you might be applauding um, these changes. And if you're somebody that is a little more conservative about these these things uh, and you like the restrictions you may you may not be thrilled about this but essentially one of the big things that's going to happen jessica is remember i can't tell you how many times you and i have been talking about social distancing social distancing yes. social distancing six feet apart six feet i'm apart, ready for all the hugs <laughs> all, yeah no air hugs right uh, virtual happy hours all these things well in connecticut and across the country now schools are being told you no longer have to prioritize social distancing, which is a big deal because last year, if you were to walk into your kid's classroom, the desks were very spread apart. Yeah. We had maybe plexiglass shields, those kind of things. Now they're essentially saying, go back to normal uh, in that element, at least. And then, so your kids can get close to other kids, to the teacher. The so prioritizing social distancing is no longer a recommendation from the CDC. They say that you don't need to do it. The other big change, Jessica, is in the past, if you had a child that came in contact with someone who tested positive for COVID-19, it doesn't matter if your kid tested positive. If they just came in contact with somebody who tested positive for COVID-19, they would have to repeatedly test negative themselves. And not just once. They would have to quarantine and test negative multiple times before returning to class. Now they're saying... Don't worry about that. They're saying, you know, they can just go right back into the classroom unless they test positive. 
So that is, of course, uh, a major change um, that's, that's happened. And then the other big thing that's going to affect all of us is the fact that going forward, you know, it used to be if you tested positive for COVID-19, they'd say, you got to wear a mask yeah. and you have to isolate. Now they're saying you don't have to self-isolate for as long as long as you test negative a couple of times. And so that is going to impact a lot of families because you're not going to have the whole families in self-isolation the way that we were. So for folks that were saying we need to get back to normal, and I'm not saying we're, we're there, right. but this age of step in getting closer um, to where we were pre-pandemic with these school restrictions. A lot of information, and like you said, uh, we got parents on and guardians on both sides of the aisle. Some happy about this, some not so happy about this. But it's just crazy to think, you know, and, you know, you as well as myself, we've been covering the pandemic uh, since day one. And just to think how things used to be and just kind of where they are now. I mean, it's just crazy to think back everything that's kind of happened that we've had to go through as Americans. Yeah, it's nuts, you know, when, when you think about the fact that before this pandemic started, we're obviously talking about there was no vaccine, so people didn't have the option about whether to do that or not. Um, we really didn't. Have, we were kind of um, building a plane as it was flying. I mean, I've literally. Or <laughs> like, you know, COVID kind of exploded on the world, and we kind of had to figure out as we went. And that's why people said, "Oh, why this science shouldn't change?" Well, no. Sometimes science changes because we have more information, and we're getting more information out. But the crazy thing to me, Jessica, the CDC put up this stat that really blew me away, mm -hmm. and big reason why they say we can roll back some of these restrictions. They say that 95% of adults in the U.S., of people 16 and over, have some level of uh, immunity to COVID-19, either through getting COVID-19 in the past, prior infection, or through getting at least some level of vaccination. So the CDC is basically saying, even though in some areas of the country the positivity rate is still high, if you look at the hospitalizations, and deaths, those rates are not as high. And they say the big reason why is the large majority of people who are getting sick at least have some immunity to COVID-19, and so the cases aren't as bad. Mm. And that's why they say our kids can go back to something closer to normal, and why, frankly, adults, too, can go back to something uh, closer to normal. The crazy thing for me is, like, I'm just getting used to, okay, it, it still feels strange to me, like, oh, wait, we can do these things again? I know. I think that's what you'll have to kind of get used to. It's like, oh, okay, some of the things I've been avoiding doing in the past, the CDC is sort of saying, look, you can kind of relax a little bit. Not that you don't still take COVID seriously, but that we can relax some of these restrictions and, and live our lives in a way that is something closer to the way that we were living them pre-pandemic. Well, you know, they say if you do something for 14 days consecutively, um, right it turns into a habit, right? Isn't that what they say? So uh, we've been doing that, <laughs> all the guidelines we've been following for so long, it's just, it comes natural now. It does feel odd to kind of go back and uh, do things like they were done before before the pandemic started. Okay, I'm curious, did you have COVID? You know, so I always say this, I've never, I, I would never say never got COVID yeah. because you never know if I would say symptomatic, but knock on wood, knock on whatever, I have not gotten sick from COVID. Me either. Uh, and I've never tested positive for COVID. How about you, Jessica? Have you had it? No, I've, I've never tested positive. And unless, like you, unless I've been asymptomatic, I have not had it. Isn't that wild? I feel like we're it, rare. <laughs> it, and, you know, in January, I did get sick. I sort of had this, like, I, I don't know if it was laryngitis, but I had this throat thing. My voice sounded terrible. Um, I sounded like Louis Armstrong. <laughs> I tested positive for COVID every day. 
twice a day. Wait, you tested for COVID. You did not test positive. No, I did not test positive. I tested negative every day, yeah. Okay. And so I actually was interviewing this doctor for another story, and one of the things I was saying was, hey, sorry, excuse my voice. I, you know, I don't have COVID. I've tested positive. (laughs) And he was asking me about my symptoms. And he was saying, yeah, it doesn't sound like COVID to me. And I said, oh, that's that's good. And he goes, oh, not really. I was saying, what? He goes, well, look, you're a relatively young guy. Assuming you have some level of vaccination. If you had COVID, you'd be out for five days, then you'd be fine. He goes, who knows what the heck you had? And I was like, huh. But, but I was so very glad that, that I did not test positive for COVID. But uh, it was kind of an interesting point, the fact that he was saying COVID sometimes, depending on your vaccination level and your age, might not be the worst thing in the world compared to other stuff that's out there. But I was that's at, at funny. That time, I was in the mindset of like, oh, there's nothing worse than COVID. Right. Like, oh, you just he, when he said, who the heck knows what's wrong with you? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> We're still trying to figure that one out, right? <laughs> and my wife, my wife could talk for hours about that. <laughs> that's so <laughs> funny. Yeah, I think it's I think it's wild that we both are on the same level. I mean, I my one of my best friends, she's like, Jessica you have definitely have COVID. And I'm like, no, I really, like, I've never tested positive. I've never felt like I've had it. And I just think that's so rare because I feel like everyone we come in contact with, someone has experienced COVID and had the symptoms and so forth. So I think that's funny that you haven't either. Not yet, not yet. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to avoid it forever. It may be impossible because I think at a certain point, it, you know, I, you know, people used to, at the beginning of the pandemic, would compare the COVID to the flu. And I mean, I think uh-huh. that's what's that time now maybe it's a little different because now with vaccines available and with everybody having some level of immunity or just about everybody having less of immunity it seems like cases are not as severe and it does seem like people are talking about it more like it's getting a bad flu or getting the cold where right. most of us certainly not all of us because there are people that are immunocompromised and older that covid can still be a death sentence but for most of us now it's not but at, at, at the same time, Jessica, I don't know. I, I, I would, I would prefer not to get it. Me too. <laughs> Keep it away from me. <laughs> I'm like the, the what is it? Keanu Reeves in the Matrix, where like he's dodging all the bullets. I feel like that's the COVID <laughs> flying all around and hasn't got me yet. But I say a friend of mine, who shouldn't be bragging too much, he was telling me his whole family he got, his whole immediate family, uh-huh. his wife, all three of his kids, they all had had COVID. He never got COVID. That's so was, funny. What does he say? I think maybe I'm immune to COVID. <laughs> a month later, he got COVID. Mm. And he got a bad case. He's okay now. But he, you know, it, it knocked him on his butt for a couple of days. And he was like, okay, I guess I should stop uh, bragging. So I never say I'm immune. So if you're listening, uh, overlords out there, I'm not saying I'm immune, but I'm saying I'm lucky so far, having tested positive, hadn't, haven't gotten sick from having COVID. Definitely so, because I know you've been out and about reporting and anchoring um, for the entire time, right? You didn't work too much from home, did you? And it's tough for me, Jessica, because normally I'm a hugger. So I just I know, go, right me too. <laughs> just go right up. I'm the guy that, uh, you know, I, I see at a party say, oh, hi. And then you introduce me uh, to your spouse and say, I'll, I'll just go right in for the hug. Uh, I just think, oh, you know why? Because I feel like it's awkward sometimes. Do I handshake? Do I hug? Do I do the bro hug where you handshake and you pat on the back? <laughs> so I'm just like, hey, I'll start with the biggest, and then if you shoot your hand out, no problem. I won't take it personally. Um, but that way, I feel like it's more awkward when you get caught in between. 
Yeah, that's so true. But I'm the same way. And that's what I missed so much um, during the pandemic was I am a hugger. And yeah. so like even my family, they're like, stay away from me. And I'm like, oh, I just need a hug. Everybody needs a, a hug. Hugger slander out there. I can tell you that right now. You know, um, there have been a lot of people that are like, well, we should never go back to hugging as a society. Why do we need to hug hello and hug goodbye? I say, well, because it feels good. <laughs> and feels good. I read and some I information. Mean, obviously, you do it with people that are that are comfortable about that. I'm not talking about any, you know, hugging strangers, uh, you know, when they're not looking or something. But, hey, if it's a friend, uh, you know, and I'm known as, as the hugger. So, I, you know, uh, I feel like we got to bring back hugging. That's my thought. And here's the other I'm right there with you. I don't know if science backs this up, but I think of it as a handshake. That's much more germy to me. True. You know, these things are touching everything, God knows. Whereas hug, cloth to cloth, I feel like that's very safe. That's so. That's such a good point. And I also <laughs> wanted to mention, I don't know where I read this, um, but supposedly um, those who receive hugs each and every single day, they live a happy, healthier life. It extends your life. I feel like hugs are the fuel that keeps us going, Jessica. We got to bring back hugs. I agree. I'm so glad um, that we are. <laughs> I'm so glad that uh, we're the experts here about hugging. We are the hugging yeah. experts. Hopefully the CDC will weigh in in their next I think uh, they should. rollback. And hug more people, darn it. <laughs> and then you'll know I wrote that one. You say, oh, Roger writes for the CDC now. But I don't CDC correspondent. I'm looking forward uh, to the day. That's so funny. Okay, I can't let you go without talking a little bear news. I feel I feel like you have some bear news to share with us today. Yeah, so, okay, here's the thing. I recommend everybody go to WFSB.com, check out the Channel 3 app. We have seen more bear sightings on people's porches. Even, Jessica, this is wild, in some, a bear went into somebody's house in West Hartford recently. You are kidding. Now, the pic the pictures and videos that oh. are cute, but wildlife experts say, look, look, we need to be doing a better job about not putting, leaving food out. Some people, they even say, feed the bears. Don't do that. That is wild. Things that I think about, like they say, don't have, um, be careful with bird feeders and bird bags because they will go there. So it's one of those things where we all love the the cute videos and I'm guilty of it. I love yeah. watching them um, but unfortunately, and it's not to say that everybody that's captured these pictures, we're not saying that they've all done the wrong thing, because unfortunately with a lot of these bears, what's happened is other people have fed them, other people have left food out, and so the bear starts thinking that that's, they're going to have food at every house. Mm. So our environmental police in, in um, Connecticut are, are putting out friendly warnings about that of, hey, these bears look cute and cuddly, but it's better, it's safer for you and safer for them, frankly, if they don't interact with you in that way. Now, there was a crazy situation. I mean, it's one thing if you see a bear on your property. It's very common here in Connecticut. Uh, some people are probably listening and being like, y'all have bears near you? <laughs> very common. We're, uh, we're, we're kind of a crazy state because we have a long shoreline. Yeah. Then we also have very woodsy areas as well. And in some of the woodsy areas, I mean, I've gone to towns where there have been bear sightings. And I'll knock on people's doors and be like, oh, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, we see bears every day. Like, what's the big deal? And even I'm like, what? We see bears every day? Are you crazy? And these are black bears, not grizzlies, so they're a little smaller. Um, but I have to tell you, like, 
so people get used to seeing these bears, interacting with these bears, and our environmental police are like, hey, be careful, and please do not feed them, because the one thing you don't want them to be is relying on on food from people. But, uh, so... Yeah, yes, that's the, the just wild. But stay away from the bears and <laughs> leave them alone. I would, I mean, obviously, I don't see black bears all the time. I don't live in Connecticut. But, I mean, I would be terrified. Uh, me too. I mean, especially, I mean, I know a friend of mine, a bears come onto his porch sometimes. His porch! And he'll, like, take pictures, and he's, like, smiling and laughing. And I'm no. Like, oh. If a, even if a spider is in my house, I'm thinking, do I need to burn this house down now? <laughs> because that's not my thing. And so people have bears, and uh, God bless them. But you know, it's interesting, Jessica. So this is a, I, I don't mean to brag, but. Well, we I, don't, we don't need too much bragging. Come on, Roger. <laughs> I went to Africa on my honeymoon, right? Oh, for amazing. So I, all these fascinating men and women, and they grew up around lions and cheetahs and elephants and all these, you know, crazy animals, beautiful animals. And do you know, I would tell them from the United States, they were fascinated by grizzly bears. Oh, really? Forget lions. Afraid <laughs> of lions. They're like, oh, you see a lion, you just, you know, you run up a tree or you do this. But they were like, we hear grizzly bears can run really fast and then climb trees. Is that true? And I was like, Supposedly, I mean, I don't know any, but I've <laughs> literature as you. So uh, they were fascinated about that. So that, that is interesting? so funny. Yeah, that's crazy. They couldn't get over it. They're like, ah, oh, lions, you just, you know, you, you get somewhere high and you do whatever. But they're like, grizzly bears can climb trees. No thanks. <laughs> that's so funny. So um, do you all have grizzly bears in Connecticut? No, 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 no. Oh, okay, I didn't know. We just, have, we just have black bears. I Again, to brag, I have seen grizzlies, though. In Have you? I've been to Alaska, and uh, oh, the grizzlies okay. there, and they look—they're cool from afar. Yeah. But I, a grizzly, oh, I can't even imagine. I can't imagine uh, either. Okay, um, pause. Can we go back to? You were in South Africa. Yes. Ah, oh, so, so which part did you go to? Okay, we went to. Um, we flew into Johannesburg, and uh -huh. then we went to uh, Kruger National Park, and then we also went to the. Oh, what is it? The Okongo Delta. I think I'm saying that right. And that is, it's in South Africa, but then it also is in uh, uh, Botswana. Okay. Uh, so, Okongo Delta. And so, like, I, that was definitely a trip of a lifetime. I did it on my honeymoon, and it was awesome. That is I, amazing. I recommend it. But it's funny, like, I tell people about that trip, and some people are like, oh, my gosh, it's amazing. And other people are like, uh, lions and... <laughs> cheetahs and elephants and uh you know leopards like there's no way yeah the akavango delta yeah that's how i'm looking at it now um i i you know it's of course it's it's expensive it's, it's a once in a lifetime kind of trip but i highly recommend it if you get the chance to do a safari through these um parks where they're just living in their natural it's not like you know a zoo and it's not like okay. like that they're just living their life and they supposedly they'll come right up to the safari vehicle like the lions what will say, what the guy yeah what the guides say is that they think of the vehicle itself as like an animal they're just used to it being in the park oh hmm. so, like they'll come up and like you'll be like oh my gosh it's just like 
is this the end? But they will tell you, this was pretty scary. So lying, right? And uh, I knew you had a good story. I knew we were going to get it. This is what I was waiting on. <laughs> so this lion comes up. I call him Chuck. And so Chuck comes up and uh, the guy's like, don't worry about anything. It's all good. And he goes, but whatever you do, don't stand up. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, end up? He's going to, because he said, yeah, they don't see the, see like the individual people really unless they stand up. So I was just like, <laughs> going down. But I did snap a couple couple pictures. <laughs> but cool. And we also saw female lions looking for their cubs, like Aww. a cubs are playing, and they were like, yeah, it was very cool. But then when the lions go out on, on a prowl, all the other animals like scatter. Really? It's, yeah. That is so fascinating. Okay, you know, of course, I have 1,000 questions. I'm not going to ask them. I'm going to spare everyone's time. But <laughs> I do want to know, okay, what was the coolest, most fascinating thing that you saw while you were there, in your opinion? Well, let's see. What was the coolest? We, I really liked, you know what I liked watching? They have these things, they have these beautiful animals called uh, wild dogs which I didn't even know that was a thing. Never heard of that. And they're so cute, and they're, like, yipping at each other, but they say they're great hunters. So they were really fun to watch because they really played a lot. But I think my favorite thing that Wait, I Wait, was it like a cat, or was it like a... What was it? No, it's it? like a dog. It's like an actual dog. Like, if you Google right oh. now why dogs, I didn't know it was a thing. It's an animal. I assume only in, uh, in Africa. That was really cool. But you know the craziest thing that I saw? What? Um... Uh, a cheetah, a mother with her cheetah cubs. Oh, guess what she was doing? She was teaching them to hunt. That's what oh. our guide said. Really? And he was, isn't that wild? Do you believe him? That was the coolest thing. Or do you thing. think he was just telling uh, you that? <laughs> go on and on. I, it was really cool, though, seeing uh, the, 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 the um, panthers, or the, pardon me, the leopards. Yeah. Really yes. I bet that was it. And we also saw um, the female lions with their cubs was really cute too because they were oh. like kicking them up with their mouth and doing all that stuff baby giraffes are amazing uh, baby elephants yeah so i could go i could go on and on okay well we'll be waiting for the pictures next week to share with our viewers <laughs> roger safari suzanne and i will i'll send you a couple pictures how about that I'll that is so cool that is so and neat if we have time and the news isn't too crazy we can show a couple sound good <laughs> that sounds perfect Oh, well, I'm curious, before we, before we let you go today, what are you covering today? What are you working on? So today I am covering a, what else, back-to-school event oh, okay. in, in Hartford. They're Great. actually giving out school supplies uh, to families in Hartford, and they're doing it at the minor league baseball stadium oh, here fun. in Hartford. So There's going to be thousands of people coming to get supplies, and should be a fun time. That will be fun. Well, it's always great to have a little a little fun sprinkled throughout the week. All right, Roger. I know you got a lot to get to. Thanks for talking with us here at Local News Live. You know we love to have you. Always a pleasure. I'll talk to you soon, Jessica. Okay, sounds good. Have a good one. And don't forget, all of our viewers, head to WFSB.com. You can check out that bear video, plus everything, well, most things Roger and me spoke about today. <laughs> oh, exactly. We'll try to get some of it. Thanks again, Jessica. All right, have a great one.